Hello and welcome to Inspired, your grown-up girl talk. I'm Stacey Fleece, and as always, with my co-host, Samantha Fidelis, because I don't know why I say that every time, because honestly, I couldn't do this without you. Like, I, I wouldn't do this I, without I don't understand. I We're going to work many. on that for 2024. Yeah, I couldn't do many things without you. But here we are again. It is a beautiful day. We've got three blondes. We've got a great start. Our first Olympian. I mean, Hello. <laughs> I know. I that's. I feel like we're taking the bar up in 2024 already. Yeah, we're starting only, up and it's only the middle of January. But this is a this is going to be a good one. So settle in. We've got a lot to talk about, and I'm sure there will be a swear word or two mixed in in this conversation. So just prepare yourself. Um, <laughs> but we have with us today Danielle Kettlewell, who comes to us from the great country of Canada, the Great White North. I'm sure it's freezing there. Is it snowing up there today? Oh, it's been, we've had an Arctic blast recently. So it was like negative 12 Celsius a few yeah, days ago. And everybody else. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but it's cold. That's it's cold. Cold. cold as fuck. If we yes, it really is cold as fuck. Honest. That's what I do know. But Danielle, you, um, so you have a super interesting background and then what you've taken from that background and created what you give back to the world today is really remarkable. So started well you call yourself an average an average kid that became an olympic athlete which i'm not yeah. bullshit on i just tell me nothing <laughs> average about you even when you were younger but start us, well, you. start us there because that that journey took you into what you like i said give back to the world today mm, yeah i love that when we got on zoom stacy was like wait why what's what i thought you could have an aussie accent and that's like the, I, uh, the bane of my existence, I wish I had an Aussie accent. So uh, I did compete for the Australian team. And so the story starts back when I was um, growing up. I was the youngest of five kids to obviously my parents who are both born and raised were in Australia and they immigrated to Canada um, back in the 70s. So many years ago, but I was born in Vancouver, Canada. Um, and I did this little known sport of synchronized swimming or artistic swimming, um, as it's now called at the Olympics. And I was never the best like never really that good I was the girl that just like participated um, and I loved it but I wasn't I don't have any of the um, markers of being a great synchronized swimmer it's like you're kind of like a ballerina body type you're incredibly flexible um, that's not me <laughs> if you saw my dad in a yoga class you'd see that this flexibility doesn't run in my family I you know like it I, I did it because I loved it and I fell in love with it because I as a little I could be in the same yoga class. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's as a little girl. Yeah. Um, yeah. As a little girl, I get to wear sparkly bathing suits. I wear makeup when I'm swimming and I get to do these like kind of like a dance routine in the water um, with my other um, teammates. And I was like hooked. This is awesome. And I, I really fell in love with obviously that side of it when I was little, but also being able to work together as a team, being able to do something that so many people don't know how to do, you know, at, throughout my entire life, um, people go, oh, wow, like, I love watching that at the Olympics, or how do you do that? That's such an amazing sport. And and I loved it, but I just had this knowing that I was never going to go anywhere. Um, I was always the bottom of the team. You know, I went to national championships in Canada in, in 2009, and I was a reserve, like I was benched, basically, right? Like I was the girl that was like the cheerleader on the side of the team, but I was not the best. And so when I was in uh, grade 12, I, I retired, I say, quote unquote, because that was the end of the line. And I, you know, went down the path, you know, like, go to university, go down that. And I just, 
I always, um, even though I, I, I never thought I would go anywhere, I, I felt like I had more to give. You know, one of the great at things that I had as an attribute as an athlete is I had a great attitude. I was a wonderful team player and I was always willing to like persevere and work hard and and push through challenges you know I was tough um, as as you know my dad uh, raised me and I had this crazy opportunity came in 2013 which is so wild to say that's 11 years ago now because um, it feels like yesterday um, where I was suffering from a concussion, a concussion that I actually got when I was I was um, training with some of my teammates. Um, and I was in university at the time and I was really in this dark place in my life. And the day after my 21st birthday, I was on the phone with a girlfriend of mine who was, a, who was also a past teammate of mine and she gets a bing little Facebook message from the assistant national team coach of the Australian synchronized swimming team. Her and myself, both are Canadian with Australian parents, so we have the possibility of a citizenship, and we both were synchronized swimmers. She was always the much more talented athlete than myself, um, and this coach said after the 2012 Olympics, the team kind of dispersed, and they were looking for some more athletes to try out for the team. Is there any chance that she would want to go? And of course, as her friend, I was like, this is amazing. You go for it, you know, and I use this as an example. It's like, how often are we to cheer on our friends, but we count ourselves and and that was me right so we're we're freaking out for her for like half an hour and then she turns around to me after a while and she says Danielle you know you could do this too and I kind of laughed and I'm like what are you like there's no way you know like we both know it's no secret that I'm not the most talented but that little thought started to ruminate in my mind and I just thought well what if this is just so crazy, right? Opportunities don't come around like this twice in a lifetime. What if I just went for it? And I think, you know, I, I've reflected on this so much over the past 10 years. I think that just part of me that didn't even think that it was possible, but I wanted to be the person that took the leap and was brave and could tell this great story about this thing that she went after. And that thought marinated in my mind. And even though I was so terrified of what everyone was going to think of me, like, who's this girl that's not the most talented who thinks she's going to try for the Australian team? Like, who the, who the fuck is this girl, right? Um, I was so scared of what people are going to think of me. I was scared of failure, right? Of course. But I was more afraid of wondering what if. I was more I love, afraid. I love that moment that. because for so many people, not trying and not taking the steps is... Like that's the easiest thing to do is to not do it and to sit back on the sidelines and to go out and do it. I mean, it's scary. And then to go to like another country, I mean, granted, you did have your Australian roots, so I'm sure you had been there before, right? I had been, but um, I my family lives in Sydney and I, uh, within six weeks of that and recovering from my concussion, I made this decision that I was just going to go and try out. And I went to Perth, Australia. So, so Perth to Sydney is about the same as LA to New York, right? Like you're oh. not, you're not going over and popping over on the weekend, really. It, it's a, it's a big trip, right? And so I took this leap and I, I went to the first training camp, which was the process of trying out for the team. And I was the bottom, like there was 16 of us, but I was the bottom of six. But then I was like, I have a one in 16 chance. And that, that little thought grew bigger and bigger and bigger. And that fire burned inside of me. And I also thought about, you know, I think that one thing about this thing that I've really thought about over the past 10 years is like, not everyone is going to get the opportunity that I got. And so it always felt bigger than me. I had this, I said this to the universe. I was like, if I'm able to pull this off, 
I want to spend the rest of my life doing something with it because it doesn't feel like it's mine to hold. And so that thought, that decision led me to dropping out of university, taking out a student line of credit, moving across the world with two suitcases, not knowing anyone, diving all in, working on my mindset, working my self-belief, working hard, work overcoming challenges, and I ended up improving. And long story short, I made it to the 2016 Olympic Games as part of the Australian synchronized swimming team. Did you have and- an oh shit moment when you made the team? Like, a, <laughs> what the fuck have I done? And by the way, did your friend make it also? My friend didn't end up making it. Um, I uh, talk about that in the book, actually. It was a really interesting um, journey of our friendship and um she didn't end up making the team, which was so fascinating, right? Because it's almost like a case study of like two girls come from the same environment, move to the same place. They go after the same thing. Like, what's the difference? And, and I speak about this a lot in my book. And I really feel like I was um, and nothing against her. I, I was always willing to realize that I wasn't the best and I always could improve and I could always take on feedback. And I think we all know those people in life, right? You know, the people that can't take on the feedback and they're like, no, 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 I know everything. Right. And there, it always comes back to bite you. Right. And so I was the type of person is like, tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me how I can improve. Tell me how I can grow. And that ended up really pouring out into my skills. And Stacy, you said, did I have an oh shit moment? I had many oh shit moments. <laughs> um, I mean, where I was like, very being a young, I mean, God, I mean, I'm 43 years old and I could never imagine like ripping a bandaid off that big and then just jumping and doing it. I mean, granted, my life is a little more complicated than it was when I was 21. But I mean, it's, it's as parent of both of us are parents of girls that are athletes and in lots of different sports. It's, you know, it's, it's easy to not try so hard. And you see a lot of kids out there that, you know, they don't have that nudge. And so a lot of who you are, and did that come from your family? Or was that just more of like who you were inside already? And it was just, it was there. I think I was, uh, it benefited me always being very stubborn because I went to my parents, right? And I'm concu- I had a concussion at the time and I like come out of my, my room and I'm like, I'm going to try and go to the Olympics. And they're like, did you hit your head again? Like, you know, I'm blessed. They're so like, they're, they have been such a beautiful support system, but of course they were like, who do you think that you are? Right. Um, but I think it was my stubbornness and my, I think a bit of my naivety really helps, you know, being 21 years old, you know, not having any attachments and just being like so bold and brave. And I think, it's funny, my parents immigrated from uh, Australia to Canada at 21. And I think about the bravery that that must have had to had, you know, in the 70s, we didn't have FaceTime, we didn't have Facebook, we didn't have, they didn't have all those things, right. And so I think that I had a bit of that courage. um, And I always was so determined because I had one of the things that I've been working on in my life um, throughout my whole life, and it's grown, I've gotten so much better at it. It's just this, I had this belief that I was never enough. Right. And, and that played out in my life in so many different ways. And um, I am so grateful for that limiting belief because it made me want to prove myself wrong. It made me have this fire of like, I don't want that voice to win. And so I'm going to literally travel across the world, go after the most impossible thing and figure out 
and prove to myself that I actually am enough. And I had this really beautiful moment, if you don't mind me sharing, right before I had Olympic team trials in 2016. Um, and so Olympic team trials was like, the, this is the moment, like I'm going to make it to the Olympics or I'm not going to make it to the Olympics. And, you know, my family started getting behind me. They're like, oh my God, this is happening. Like we're, we're booking tickets to Rio and stuff. And I'm like, what if I don't make it? What if after everything I've said, what if I fall flat on my face and I fucking fail? And I had this, like, it was like an epiphany moment for me at that time, full goosebumps. And I realized that it was never about the Olympics. It was actually always about proving to myself that I was enough. And the journey of getting there, and I know this is so cliche because we've heard this a million times, but the journey of doing all those courageous things and taking all those steps and putting in all that work, that proved to me that I was enough. And I let go of this like desperate need to make it on the Olympics and I gave it my everything. And because I like, you know, I think of this almost in the sense of like manifestation, I let it go and I just put it all in. And I was like, whatever's happened is gonna happen is meant to be. I ended up going from the bottom of the team when I first got there to coming fourth in Olympic team trials. I love it. I love it so much. So we were talking a couple episodes ago about Simone Biles, who's like, you know, our, our, like, we look at her, we're just like, oh my gosh, this Olympic stage. And remember how she just said, fuck it, I'm not doing this. I'm out. Right. And she came back and she was incredible. So I've never actually talked to anyone that's participated in the Olympics. Like (laughs) what is stage like? Is it scary? And like, is the pressure, like, what's the environment? I mean, is everyone just out of their mind? It's this really weird environment of everything is this like bizarre normal. Like it's no, you have to make it normal or else your brain will just freak out, right? Like you have to, it has to be normal that you see people walking around with gold medals. It has to be normal that there's TV and camera crew everywhere. It has to be normal that you see sports celebrities everywhere. It has to be normal that you see presidents and dignitaries. And like, I've met the queen and king of Denmark, you know, like all of these weird things, like you have to make it normal or else you will freak out in your mind and and you'll end up, it'll end up paying off in your performance. And so one of the things that's quite cool that you don't see behind the scenes at the Olympics is, is before people go and compete on those stages or swim in those pools or, or, you know, spring on those gym floors is you actually, you have about like a week or two weeks of, of practicing in that exact same arena. And so although it's so different when it's the moment and you have the judges there or you, you it's that actual moment, you, ha- you have gotten used to the stadium. And so by the time I competed, I was swimming in that pool for two weeks. And so it was like, and this is the whole part of being an athlete, the type of athlete that I was. But in many sports, like other than soccer and those types of back and forth sports, like sports like um, where you just have to sprint or throw or do your routine, you just got to do the same thing that you did the past two weeks because you've been training at that level that you don't actually want your Olympic performance to be your extra special performance. You want to train at every performance as my special performance. And I just go out there and do what I know. And I'm, I'm sure every single athlete that has been in that type of sport would say the same to you. And so you really have to normalize this level of excellence, normalize this level of extraordinary. Um, and, and I worked with sports psychologists um, throughout the years, which have, were so integral to my growth as well to help me do that. I feel like the whole, like, I'm not enough imposter syndrome moment um, approach, it, it seems to affect women far more than men. Why do, why is that? Why are, why do we feel like we're never enough? I think that it's a couple of things. I think that it comes from a lineage of women that 
didn't think that there were enough, right? Like we take on the beliefs of, and I really believe that our generation, like the past 30 years, we're really changing that with our mental health awareness. Um, but before that, it, it, it has been passed down, right? And so we come from a lineage of women that felt that way. But also, I think just the nature of women, we're more um, analytical, we have more critique, we have more internal dialogue most of the time. And so we are more likely to nitpick ourselves. And especially if we were brought up environments that weren't necessarily supportive of that or environments that where we saw other women or men that were being critical of themselves or, you know, all the different upbringings that people have had, I think it's really natural for women to do that. And in the past, I think, I really think it's changing, um, but we live in the society where women would tear women down and like fuck that like let's lift each other up right like you're not competing against a woman next to you you are running with her and I really believe and this is like oh it makes me emotional and this is why I love being on a team sport it's like I was stronger with my girls you know I just got married last month and like I had my teammates some of my teammates there and like they are my sisters right like I will I will go into battle for them because like we went through so much together and I think there's so much sisterhood wounding that we have to heal as a society um so that we don't tear other women down we don't tear ourselves down and we start lifting each other up well I think nowadays the power players you know us gals here we don't really have time for those gals who are, yeah. you know, over in the sideline. You know, it's it's so much fun when you get to hear what people say about you. And you're like, yeah. I, I had a little quote that I pulled my little affirmation card for 24. And it was like, people are only talking about you because they're trying to figure out like how they can keep up. And it's like, you know, for those of us that lift each other and make it our life's work to really support each other. It's like, I feel like when I go to bed, I feel so full when I'm mm-hmm. around my girlfriends, you know, after a night out or or weekend or whatever. And it's like, I think there's so many more women that want that more in their life. And they're maybe kind of switching the dial a little bit to get there. But I think the going back to the team sports situation and being a team player, I think for so long, everyone was kind of like, of this mindset, like you got to be out for yourself and, you know, go get it. But going back to what you said, just about we're so much stronger together and, you know, not only on, you know, the court, but, or the pool, but also in life. And I think that's like such a fundamental, like big, bold statement um, that a lot of people I think can resonate with. I hope they do. And, and just like, to look at ourselves and none of us are perfect. None of us are, and none of us are good at everything, right? Like, God, I hope not. Like that's a lot of pressure. Like we all have our strengths and weaknesses and the magic of a team is that your strength is going to help someone else's weaknesses and vice versa. And we can do that in our life as well. One of the things you referenced, Samantha, is like, I feel like there are a real beautiful group of women like ourselves that are champion this like sisterhood and this, this love of women. But I also work with a lot of women where I bring them together in groups online or in retreats. And like, they've never experienced sisterhood like that because they either didn't have it in school, they weren't taught or they don't know how. And so there is, I, I think there's women such as us where it's like, let's fucking change that dialogue. Dialogue, and there's a, still a lot of women that need to learn, not because it, it's not possible for them, because they haven't been taught how, right? And so bringing those women into these circles and these spaces is like, this is how we treat each other. This is how we talk to each other. This is how we lift each other up. This is how we respect each other's boundaries. This is because how we're we not cheer that on much each different. other. Like our yeah. situations may be different, but at the same time, like there's a woman right next to you that's been through the same shit and come out on the other side that you can learn from. 
And, you know, I think that when you realize like it's okay to, to have a fall or to have a, a problem and, and to talk through it and not be all emotional and, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, women in your little sister circles. It's not even about that. It's like that we need to be okay with being more open with hearing our struggles because another woman is there to help lift us up. Absolutely. I agree with you. So you, I want to go back to a little bit back to um, your, your Olympic experience. So now you've, You've taken yourself through this process and now realizing that there's probably a whole lot of women out there who could use some guidance in going through that same process and dropping the imposter syndrome and the I'm not enough syndrome. And you talk about steps to take uh, to get yourself into your highest alignment. Mm -hmm. Um, And the first one you mentioned is manifestation. So I want to focus a little bit on that. What, like we hear this buzzword all the time and what you want in your life. Like, what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) Um, I love that. So, you know, I grew up, um, being an athlete for many years, I grew up with goal setting, right? Has, if you might've heard of like smart goals, specific, measurable, achievable results. I hate that shit. I hate that. I hate it. Yes. I hate it. It's horrible. I did it for 18 years. It doesn't work in my opinion. Right. Uh, But the reason that I say that is I think when we think about goals, we think about, okay, I'll 15 minutes a day or an hour a day. I'll do this thing. That's working towards my goal. That'll get me to where I want to be. And the reason that I say manifestation is it's who you're being all the time, right? You can't be a nice person for 15 minutes a day and then go be a dick face to everyone else and think that that doesn't affect who you're becoming, what you're putting out into the world and where you're going. Right. And so what I like to use the word like manifestation, because it's like, what you're creating by who you're being every single day. And of course, none of us are going to be perfect 100% of the day. Right. But if you know, majority of the day, we're being the type of person that's doing the thing that's uncomfortable. That's even though we might have the negative thought in our mind, we're, we're choosing kindness. We're being kind to other people. We are creating a life where I really believe we talk about alignment, that you are in alignment, like it feels good in your body. And I think women are inherently so intuitive. We're so wise. Like we fucking know when something's off, right? We know when it doesn't feel good to be in a certain place. It doesn't feel good to be around a certain person. Like you're going to feel it in your throat. You're going to feel it in your tummy. You're going to feel it on your shoulders, whatever it is. And so I really believe that aligning our life means like feeling in our body, like expansive, excited, um, whole, um, happy, right? It doesn't mean we have to be happy all the time, joyful. And that is an expression of who we're choosing to be every single moment of every single day. And it's fucking hard because it's so much easier to just focus on the goal for two hours a day, right? So yeah, um, and you, you have goals on that list of steps. If if yeah. they're not the stupid, shitty, smart goals that every corporate America wants us to do, what do they look like? What do you mean? Like, how do we, how yeah. do we put these? How down? are we setting goals? If it's not that shitty ass smart goal bullshit, what is yeah. it? I, I like to word, use the word intentions. And I think that it's so much more fluid. You know, the reason that I hate smart goals is because say I would do this every single year for all of my synchro career. We have to be really flexible. So I'd have to get either a flat in splits or over flat in splits. So very flexible. And every year that was my goal. And if I got to the end of the year and I wasn't there, but on January 1st, I got there, then that technically means in smart goals that I failed. And that's so contractive for somebody that's so discouraging for someone. And so one of the things that, you know, I say about setting goals, it's being a lot more fluid 
but also like I use the three R's. And so this is what I teach my clients. It's reflect, review and realign. And so it's actually taking, you can't just say something, you know, say we're in the new year right now. You can't just say something in January, never do anything about it and never take any action and expect your life to change, right? We all know that. But it's not, it's not saying, oh, this has to get done by the end of the year. It's like, okay, maybe in mid-February I look at, oh, have I actually been taking, number one, reflect. Have I been taking any action in alignment with this thing? Okay, if I haven't, what can I do? I'm going to review, look at it. Um, and then I'm going to realign. Is this still in alignment with my life, right? Maybe we had a huge crisis come up. Maybe a family member's gotten sick. It's not going to feel good to have that goal anymore. So let's change it. And so I think that this, it's not as a perfect structure, but being more fluid is so much more achievable for people. And it actually feels good because, you know, and, and also realizing there's not going to be a perfect pretty box of like how we finish everything all the time. Like, and as soon as you receive, achieve one goal, it's not, you celebrate it, you love it. And then you keep looking at what's next, not because it's not good enough, but because life feels good when you're walking towards something. It totally does. And I also feel that there has been such a like culture around like saying no, you know, protecting my time and I'm not, you know, no, it's a complete sentence. And it absolutely is a complete sentence, but I'm more of the mindset of like, let's say yes to the things that bring us joy, that can get us to get to where it is we want to be and control that narrative in a more positive situation instead of being so rigid about things because life is not rigid. And it, 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 I mean, it is rigid, but it also doesn't need to be so much in this box that we're talking about because there's going to be a curveball. And there's going to be like a landmine that you're going to walk into or like something's going to come at you sideways that you can't even think is going to come at you. Um, but it's about being fluid and being able to be like water and function um, and, and pick yourself up and keep going and find your sisters that can help you. And not be so hard on yourself. Like I say this to my clients all the time, like give yourself grace, right? Because if we're beating ourselves down, we're not going to want to get up the next day. But if we're kind to ourselves, right? And I think that there's a there's a line to that as well. But if we're kind to ourselves, we're going to be like, okay, it's okay. I didn't do anything yesterday, but I'm going to work toward, I'm going to do it tomorrow, right? Like if I look back on, some people look at my life and they go, you've achieved so fucking much. But I also look back, I'm like, there were so many times I had lazy days. There was weeks where I got nothing done. There was months where nothing happened, right? Like, and so I think that we think that it's this all or nothing mentality, but just consistent forward movement makes a big difference in the long term. So you bring, or I assume you bring a lot of this education and training and mindset and energy, uh, how, how we can shift it within ourselves to empowerment retreats and talking about, you know, finding that sisterhood and finding the support of other women. A lot of women don't have that and you help bring that to the table. So you have two coming up this year, one in Bali, one of my favorite places on the planet and one in, uh, uh, up in British Columbia. Tell us a little bit about those. Yeah. So, um, I also do this work online as well. And I started kind of right in the middle of, uh, just before COVID. Um, and so obviously that was the only option for I, me and my now husband, we lived in Bali for a year. Um, and so we, um, our clients asked us, they're like, can you run a retreat? Can you run a retreat? So kind of when the fi- the world got its shit together, we, um, were able to plan one and put them together. And we ran two last year and they were absolutely mind blowingly, amazingly magical. Um, and I think we love doing the work that we do online because it just uh, uh, provides so much flexibility and we have clients all around the world, but there is nothing that compares to being in person. And so we bring women together, you know, our BC retreat is five days, um, our Bali retreat is eight days for a certain amount of time. And we go 
all in and I really say it's like five years of work in like one week because when you don't have to worry especially I love it when moms come to us you don't have to worry about cleaning your room you don't have to worry about cooking for anyone because everything's done for you and you actually get to put away the distractions of life and actually look at who am I right now what have you been carrying that doesn't serve me and who do I actually want to fucking be you can have so much shift inside of that, not only with through, you know, the work that me and my husband do, but also through having the other women there. You know, I love working in groups of women because sometimes we don't actually have the words to articulate what we're feeling or have gone through, but someone else will be able to share it. And so that's why I feel like groups of women is work is my absolute favorite. Of course, it makes sense. I was in the team sport for so many years and the how the women shift throughout those, you know, five to eight days is absolutely mind-blowing we've had women um, whose whole lives have been shifted you know flipped upside down in the best way possible they've said they feel like a new woman completely changed by the end of those five or eight days and so it's just an absolute honor and a gift um, and I feel really lucky that we get to do this work and I think you're like I'm just I'm sold I'm like <laughs> I'm just I'm like sitting here at all with you you're just incredible <laughs> Tell it me where your or everything people can. I can't even talk. See, I'm all excited. Um, where can people find you? Learn more about your retreat. I know you've got a podcast. You've got a lot of great things going on. And I definitely think your message is something that many people need to hear. Yeah, thank you. Um, so uh, you can find me, Danielle Kettlewell. Uh, sorry, Danielle Kettlewell underscore. I just got married, so I'm actually going to be changing it. But you can still look that up and you'll find me um, and are on my that's on Instagrams and you can go look at the links and you can check out our website. Um, my podcast is called the beautiful souls podcast. We have about 150 episodes there um, and uh, you can find the retreats as well on my website and all the programs that I offer um, and me and my husband do some work together um, as well. So yeah, that's where you can find me. And just thank you for having me here, ladies. I know um, it's Great. a long time coming, but it's absolutely worth it. And it's so, so grateful that you give a voice to women that are wanting to, you know, share their stories. Because I think through, you know, stories, it, people are inspired. People's lives change. People see themselves in that, right? And, and, and to have a platform where you can do that is just such a gift. So thank you. We love to share the stories of women who are getting up and doing more than just breathing. And that is exactly what you are doing uh, on many different scales. Our first Olympian, a woman who is definitely one you want to keep an eye on. Danielle, thank you for your time. We hope that everybody gets out there, listens to this podcast, and is inspired.